Our scripture this evening comes again from Genesis, and we will read the end of chapter 26 and all of chapter 27. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 26, uh, beginning at uh, verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he took Judith, the daughter of Beeri, the Hittite, to be his wife, and Basemuth, the daughter of Eloah, the Hittite, and they made life bitter for Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his older son and said to him, My son, and he answered, Here I am. He said, Behold, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now then, take your weapons, your quiver and your bow, and go out to the field and hunt game for me, and prepare for me delicious food such as I love, and bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die." Now Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So when Esau went to the field to hunt for game and to bring it, to re bring it, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, I heard your father speak to your brother Esau, bring me game and prepare for me delicious food that I may eat it and bless you before the Lord before I die. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice as I command you. Go to the flock and bring me two good young goats so that I may prepare for for them delicious, prepare from them delicious food for your father, such as he loves. And you shall bring it to your father to eat, so that he may bless you before he dies. But Jacob said to Rebekah his mother, Behold, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. Perhaps my father will feel me, and I shall be seen as to be mocking him, and bring a curse upon myself and not a blessing. His mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. So he went and took them and brought them to his mother, and his mother prepared delicious food, such as his father loved. Then Rebekah took the best garments of Esau, her older son, which were in, with her in the house, and put them on Jacob, her younger son, and the skins of the young goats she put on his hands and on the smooth part of his neck. And she put the delicious food and the bread uh, which she had prepared on, into the hand of her son Jacob. So he went into his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, and your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you, my son, and to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. He said, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. Then he said, bring it to, near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see, the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. 
As soon as, Jacob, as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He also prepared delicious food and brought it to his father. And he said to his father, let my father arise and eat his son's game, that, he, that you may bless me. His father Isaac said to him, who are you? He answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. And Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came and I have blessed him. Yes, and he shall be blessed. As soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with an exceeding great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me, even me also, O my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and he has taken away your blessing. Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob for he has cheated me these two times? He took away my birthright and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. Then he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac answered and said to Esau, Behold, I have made him lord over you and all his brothers I have given to him for servants, and with grain and wine I have sustained him. What can I do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Have you but one blessing, my father? Bless me, even me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. And Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. Now Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing which his father had blessed him. And Esau said to himself, The days of mourning for my father are approaching, then I will kill my brother Jacob. But the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran, and stay with him a while until your brother's fury turns away, until your brother's angry anger turns away from you and he forgets what, he had, what you have done to him. Then I will send and bring you from there. Why should I be rift, be rift of both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I loathe my life because of the Hittite women. If Jacob marries one of the Hittite women like these, one of the women of the land, what good will my life be to me? Let's pray. Lord, our Father, we come to you asking that you will guide us as we look into your word. Uh, we know, O oh God, that you give your word to us for our benefit and for our direction. And we ask this evening that you will enable us to understand it and therefore to receive that benefit and that blessing. And so work in us, open our hearts and our minds that we might receive what you have for us. And we make this request of you in the name of Jesus, our Savior. And together we say, Amen. If I were the kind of person who uh, went around uh, offering to you uh, overblown kind of compliments and uh, seeking to ingratiate myself with you in every possible way that I could think of, uh, you could uh, rightly say of me, I think, Alan will do anything to curry favor with people. He's living up to his name. And in the passage that we have this evening, 
uh, we have that same idea coming to us where uh, Esau accuses his brother uh, uh, Jacob of living up to his name. Now, as I mentioned before, I don't think it was the intention of uh, Isaac and Rebekah to give uh, their son, their second son, the second of their twins, uh, the name Cheater. Uh, it just so happens with the Hebrew language, you might be able to get that sound of uh, Jacob and Cheater to go together. And Esau uh, actually exploits that, as we uh, heard this evening, uh, as I read that the text to you. We, we see him doing that. So let's look at this story, a story I think with, that, that most of us have probably some familiarity with. But let's, let's look at it, and let's first of all look at the, at the players, uh, the people that are in this text. And then let's try to look a little bit at the way in which the plot unfolds. And then finally, let's see what uh, uh, these players and their plot produce. What is the product of what happens in this text? So let's look first of all at uh, Isaac. Now you remember that Isaac is the recipient of those special blessings uh, that God had given uh, to Abraham. And, and the last time we talked about the way in which uh, uh, Yahweh, God, uh, actually reiterated those promises uh, to uh, uh, Isaac that he had, uh, that he had given to uh, uh, Abraham. Uh, Isaac also surely has to remember uh, the way in which uh, Abraham provided a wife for him. Uh, you go back into uh, the uh, 24th chapter of Genesis and you see that elaborate story of the way he sent Eliezer, his servant, to go and get him a, a bride and all of that. But the interesting thing in all of this, the reason for all that elaboration is that Abraham did not want his son Isaac, he did not want his son Isaac to, to marry into anybody who lived in the land of Canaan, to the Canaanites. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, not the least of those reasons is that God had already told Abraham that his judgment was going to come upon the Canaanites because of their gross evilness. And when that evilness had reached the point where God would not tolerate it any longer, he was going to destroy them and destroy them by the hand of the Israelites themselves. So we, we see this. Um, but Isaac, as we look at this and as we begin this text, Isaac doesn't give any evidence that he does anything like that for Esau. Nothing whatsoever does he do for him. We don't, we don't see any evidence that he looked for a wife. And as a matter of fact, we find Esau going then and doing what? Marrying women from Canaan. He marries two Canaanites. That's the way our, our text starts off uh, this evening. And uh, the other thing about Isaac is that um, uh, Isaac doesn't give any evidence that he's paying any attention, first of all, to the oracle that was given to Rebekah that the older would serve the younger of these twins. Nor does he give any evidence that he remembers that Esau already sold his birthright to, uh, to Jacob, that this is already a fiat accompli, that's already been done. So we, so we see Isaac coming to this. And, and then when we look at Rebekah, we find that uh, uh, she, like Isaac, is plagued by this particular preference for one of her sons. The text actually points out, and we saw this uh, the last time in chapter 25, uh, that, that uh, Rebekah loved Jacob just as Esau, uh, just as Isaac loved Esau. 
Now, surely Rebecca remembered the oracle as well. Remember, she was the one who went and asked God, why am I having this terrible pregnancy? And he told her about these twins that were in her womb. And after he told her that, he told her that, 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 the, uh, that the older would serve the younger. Uh, she also, like Isaac, had to remember that Esau had sold his birthright. So they're, they're both here. So, so Rebecca knows these things. But as we read through this text, one thing we don't see at all is any evidence that Rebecca is saying, God ordained this, God will work this out. We, never, we see instead uh, Rebecca uh, manipulating and trying to manipulate God, if you will, and manipulate the circumstances to bring this about. And when we look at, at Esau, we look at him as the other player in this, in this uh, drama. And, and as we look at this, Moses, as he writes these things down, as he records these things for us, he consistently portrays Esau as a profane person. I mean, that, that's the character that we see from Esau. You'll remember when he sold his birthright uh, that uh, uh, Moses writes down for us, you know, that Esau despised his birthright and that special blessing that God would give to him. And uh, uh, he comes across as one who just doesn't care a hoot, if you will, about the things of God. I've already said that, that e Isaac didn't get him a wife. But surely Esau knew the story about how his mother and dad came together. You could not have that elaborate story being discussed as families got together. And what does Esau do? He shows his, his, his profanity, if you will. He shows his, his inability, his unwillingness to, to hang on to the good things that come from God. He marries a Canaanite woman. He marries two Canaanite women. You see, that's what we see about Esau as we look here. Now Esau also knows what he's already done. Esau knows that the birthright and the blessing that goes with the birthright's not his. He sold it for some red stew. He knows that. That's all in here. And then there's Jacob. But Jacob, as the second born of the twins, uh, he knows that, that he would not ordinarily get the blessing. He would not ordinarily have the birthright, but he knows that oracle. He also knows whether it was uh, a good thing or a bad thing. He also knows that he has purchased uh, the, uh, the birthright from, from um, uh, Esau. He's judged that he has confirmed his rights at this point. And again, when we look at Jacob, knowing that, that God has promised these things to him, there is no evidence that Jacob is willing to let God take care of things. We only see him following the pattern of his mother and manipulating the circumstances and in sense manipulating God to see that these come about. Now, now, there's one other thing, not a person, not a player, but something that's very important in this text, and that is the blessing. And, and for us, most of us, when we read this story, we sort of say, the blessing. What is that? It just doesn't make any sense to us. I mean, you know, Jacob comes in, he tricks his dad, and he gets the blessing, and his dad says, and he shall be blessed. And we can't quite understand what's going on. And uh, I hate to tell you this, but my suspicion is that when I get done explaining this to us, you may still not understand what's going on. It's complicated because we don't have anything in our cultural context quite like this kind of blessing. The best that I can explain it to you is it's a kind of social 
action that goes on in the ancient Near East where the patriarch, the, the old father, offers a blessing. That blessing in some ways has some similarities to our wills. It says, this is going to this one and that is going to that one. And there's something of that that's in there. But <clears throat> and these blessings were something that, that belonged to the old man. They belonged to him. That was, that was part of his job. That was a part of what he was to do. They, 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 they not only passed on material things, but they also gave his preferences. Now, God comes along, and he uses this cultural form, and he adds some things, if you will, to it, because it has, a, has kind of a prophetic, a predictive character to it. And, and so we see the way in which these things work out. This predictive character to it becomes very important uh, as we see the whole of the Old Testament unfolding and as we actually come to the New Testament. The things that we see predicted in the Old Testament, and we'll look a lot at those tonight, uh, particularly those things that were predicted of the seed of Abraham, the seed of Isaac, and the seed of Jacob, uh, they do come about. They come out and they're, they're brought out to us in the New Testament. So we see this, this idea of it's kind of like a will. Uh, it's a kind of like a prophetic sort of thing that goes on. Uh, and it also has, has the, uh, the parental preference. And that parental preference really ought to be a preference that comes from God. It is the way in which the Father voices, if you will, the preferences of, of Yahweh, of God. So these are all a part of that blessing. Now I hope that that helps us to understand a little bit about why this blessing was not able to just be turned around at the end. Why, why, why couldn't they just turn it around? Well, it has this kind of irrevocable character to it in the ancient Near East, and that's one of the ways in which God uses this. So let's look now at the, uh, <clears throat> at the plot as it, as it unfolds. And the first thing that we encounter is that uh, Isaac judges that he's going to die. Now, this is hard to get our hands around, too. If you have any mathematical skills, you may start doing some uh, figuring. Uh, but uh, Martin Luther, I think, rightly says Isaac is 137 years old at this point. Isaac lives until he's 180 years old. And he says, I'm about to die. Uh, that's a long illness. <laughs> uh, uh, my judgment is, I agree with those commentators who suggest that some malady has struck Isaac at this point. Uh, we get the idea from the text that he's bedridden. Uh, you'll, you'll, if we pay very close attention to the, uh, to the way and the, wor the wording of the text, uh, uh, when, when <clears throat> Jacob comes in, he requests that his father sit up. And you only sit up, if you will, from lying down. Uh, so he's probably bedridden. Uh, Esau says also to him, let my father arise. So, so, uh, so, so Isaac is probably in bed. He is now blind. Whether the blindness and the malady went together, we have no way of knowing. That's not something that's uh, before us. But <clears throat> Isaac's intention in this is to pass on uh, to offer his patriarchal, patriarchal blessing on Isaac. Uh, now, as I've mentioned a number of times that oracle, and, and we know about that oracle. So as soon as we see Isaac, uh, Esau making this, uh, uh, Isaac making this statement about what he wants to do for Esau, we know something's amiss, something's wrong. And, and in the interaction between Isaac and his son Esau, we don't see them at all voicing any trepidation about violating the very obvious revealed will that God has given to them. They, they don't seem to be bothered by that at all. 
They know things. They know the oracle. They know Esau has sold his birthright. And what does Isaac say? Get me something I like to eat <laughs> so that I can give you the blessing. And that is what's emphasized. Here is Isaac, the patriarch, the leader, if you will, of the covenant people of God. And he said, I'll bless you if you give me a good meal. That's as bad as it gets in this text. I think that's exactly uh, what we see in front of us. Um, he's a, Esau is, is a willing partner in this. I mean, you know, he's sold his birthright. Uh, as we go through the text, uh, he, he feels badly about that. Uh, he wants the blessing. He knows what comes with the blessing. And uh, maybe there was a bit of youthful impetuosity in selling the birthright, but now he wants the blessing. And he knows that with the blessing comes also uh, the, the material kinds of things, the good things that come with it. So, so, so we have uh, Esau here wanting all of these things. This is what he really uh, is after. There's another thing that we may miss as we look at this uh, text unfold, and that is Esau is invited, and Esau alone is invited for the blessing. And anybody who lived in the ancient Near East would say, what? He's only going to give the blessing to this one son? Uh, look, for example, when Jacob blesses his sons, what's he do? He gets all of them together. Look in Genesis 49. This is a public declaration. This is not some private little thing that goes on between a father and a son. This is a declaration of, of the father's will, if you will. Uh, and, and so we know something's wrong because Jacob is not invited and, and uh, Rebecca is not invited to this. So, so we see this part of the, the, the story going on, the plot as it unfolds. And then we see Rebecca and uh, Jacob. Uh, Rebecca, first of all, overhears what's uh, happening, and uh, uh, she immediately begins to fix things. Uh, she, she doesn't trust that God is going to work out his promised blessing upon Jacob. She doesn't trust that. I mean, remember, she prefers... Jacob to Esau, and her preference is going to be fulfilled. And if God is a little slow about fulfilling it, Rebecca's Johnny on the spot. She's going to make sure that everything works out just the way in which she wants it to work out. And so she does very well at planning and taking advantage of, of uh, Isaac's uh, blindness. And uh, she thinks through the details. I mean, just look at it, you know. Um, uh, she informs Jacob what she's about to do, uh, tells him to uh, uh, be obedient to her. Uh, her plan is to substitute uh, Jacob for uh, Esau and get the blessing. Uh, Jacob is, is a little nervous about this. Uh, he says, you know, uh, Esau is a hairy man and I'm a smooth one. Now, if you're like I am, you wonder just how hairy is Esau? And your wondering is not allayed by uh, Rebecca saying, here, let me give you some goat skins and put them on your neck and your arms. And my take is there are some goats who don't have nice, full, uh, furry uh, uh, coats. So I'm taking that's what it is. But, but we're troubled by some of these things that pop up to us in the text. But the point is she thinks through all these things. She's, she's ready. She, she's the manipulator uh, uh, par excellence, if you will. Um, uh, Jacob uh, raises the question, what if I get found? 
found out, and instead of getting a blessing, I get a curse. Let the curse be upon me. Just do as I say, is Rebecca's response. She even provides some clothing of Esau, some of his best clothing that was in the house. And then Jacob goes in to meet with his father, uh, with uh, Esau. And uh, the first thing that, that, that comes up in all of this is, is that, that, that he speaks to his father, tells him that he lies to him directly, and says that I'm Esau. Now, now Isaac listens, can't see, he listens, and he wonders, are you really Esau? Uh, the voice doesn't quite sound right to him. Now, uh, I think our immediate reaction is, man, that would be a dead giveaway. Well, I'm not sure it's a dead giveaway with siblings. I remember that when my aunt, my mother's sister, would call on the phone, I always, if my mother wasn't there, I always wondered, is this mom or is this need? You see, when I was talking to them in person, I had no trouble when I could see them. But on the phone, if they wanted to trick me, they could have easily tricked me. These are twins. So, so the voice may not have been distinct. It may have been enough that it was confusing uh, for, uh, for Isaac when he heard him speaking. And so he, he, he asks if he's Esau. He says, yes, I am, even though the voice is wrong. He says, yes, I'm Esau. Then, then Isaac says to him, how did you get the food? It's probably venison. How did you get it? get it so quickly. How did that, that happen? And uh, uh, Esau, I mean, Isaac responds to him in uh, what the common, one commentator says, uh, 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 the most flagrant instance of abuse of the divine name recorded anywhere in the scripture. Isaac says to Esau, how'd you get it so quick? Esau, I, I, Jacob's response is, oh, the Lord your God made it work out for me. Now that's a lie, and that's a lie where God becomes his accomplice. So we, we see, we see the, the, the ugly evilness that's going on in this text. That's, that's what we see. And uh, uh, we, we see the continuing interaction. He, Esau, uh, Isaac wants to touch him to see if this is really Esau, and Rebecca's uh, uh, using the skins uh, seems to uh, uh, work out for them. And uh, Isaac uh, uh, takes the food and gives... Uh, uh, a kiss to, uh, to Jacob and is sure when he smells the garments that, uh, that this is, uh, is Esau. And he blesses Esau then. And the blessing, by and large, is a, a blessing of prosperity, that, that he's going to have the uh, fruit of the fields and he's going to have, as it were, grain and wine, the two signs of, uh, of prosperity, if you will, in that way. He's also going to have influence and strength. His, his brothers, uh, not because he had lots of brothers, but all of his posterity, those, those are going to be the brothers, uh, that they're going to be the ones who rule over the other, others. That's, that's, what, that's the blessing that comes. And uh, the blessing also contains a bit of what was given in the blessing of uh, uh, God on uh, Abraham and the God of God on Isaac, uh, that uh, those who curse him will be cursed and those who bless him will be blessed. And so, so he offers this, this uh, blessing. And just as Jacob leaves... Who comes in? <laughs> Esau comes back. And there he comes. You know, I can just see him. <laughs> Walking in with this big venison steaks on there that he's grilled for his dad. Put that delicious whatever it is that he puts on them uh, to make them savory and good. And he says, here I am, dad. <laughs> Here's your food. 
Now's the time to bless me. And Isaac knows he's been had. He knows he's been had. The text tells us he starts to tremble. He seized. And I don't know if he seized with anger, probably. Disappointment, probably. Guilt, I hope so. All of that comes. And, and Esau wants to know what's happened. And Isaac says, who was it that came in here then and tricked me and got the blessing? And this is when he says, and he will be blessed. The blessing is going to come. And, and Esau is perplexed. He's, he's, he's angry. He's upset. He's disappointed. Uh, he wails. Uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about him as uh, weeping and crying uh, because he wouldn't have the blessing. And he says, don't you have another blessing? This is after he's already said, the cheater is a cheater. He's lived up to his name. He cheated me once out of my birthright. Now he has cheated me out of my blessing. And he asks his father if he doesn't have another blessing for him. And, and uh, uh, Isaac basically tells him, I don't really have another blessing for you. Uh, and when he does give this blessing on uh, uh, Esau, it is pretty much reinforcing of the blessing that went on uh, uh, Jacob. Uh, that is that uh, uh, he will serve his uh, brother and until he finally gets sick of serving him and then he will throw off the yoke that he will live by the sword uh, and that is the way in which uh, uh, Esau lived. Now, when we look at this text and we look at this story and, and we look at this and, and we're bothered by it. It just is a mess. You know, if I were still living in Mississippi and I said, it's a mess, you would all understand what I was talking about. There's just nothing good about it. It all has all this messy stuff in it. It's just bad. And how do we look at this story? I mean, what happens? What does it produce? Well, just look at some of the immediate things that it produces. It produces for Rebecca, who in some ways is the key in this deceiving. Here it is, that Jacob now has to flee, and this son that she loves is going to be away. I agree with those commentators that say, Rebecca never saw Jacob again. She probably died while he was at Paddan Aram. And it's interesting, Rebecca just disappears from the scene. The next time she's referred to in, in Genesis is, she's the sister of Laban. And the last time she appears, the next time she appears in Genesis is she's buried. She's dead. That's all. You see, the deception, the things that she wanted so much for this son, that she cherished so much, she's gone from her life. And, and, and the promise of, of, of all the promise, all the looking forward to progeny, to, to children, to grandchildren, grandmothers understand this. No, no more. No connection. You see, she does all this stuff, and this is what happens to her. Uh, we see what happens to uh, uh, Jacob. And he's sent away, and he ends up almost like he's in exile. 20 years, we'll come to see the way in which he, you know, cheater meets cheater. That's the way we'll have to look at, uh, at Jacob and Laban in his 20 years away. We, we see these kind of things happen. Her, her fears are conformed. What happens to Jacob and Esau? These are brothers, these are twins. Esau says, 
Wait till dad's dead. I'm going to kill that. It's exactly what he wants to do. It's his intention. See, we see, we see this mess. And, and as we look at this story, here is Isaac. And Isaac has to know. Isaac has to know that this is not just some tiny little faux pas that he's made. That Isaac has clearly stepped out of line in a big way. He has to know that. And he sees the consequences coming to his family. So if you're like I am, you find this, this, this whole incident disturbing. It, it's, it, it just bothers me. You know, I mean, I, I think it's fair to me to, for me to say that I look at Isaac and his family and I say I'm looking at the church in the Old Testament. I'm looking at this family who have this, this distinct role to play in the outworking of God's plan and this kind of deception, this kind of manipulation, this kind of trying to take and twist things around so that their way can come about, uh, even if it, they think it's God's way. That's what's happening here. And I know some people try to say, oh, there's some good things in here. They, they, they portray Esau as kind of an innocent. You can't read Moses' accounts of Esau and call him innocent. You just can't do it. Esau is not anybody anyone wants to emulate. And you know, no parent says, be good like Esau. The kid would laugh at you. I mean, that's exactly what's going on here. Others say, well, Jacob is uh, okay because he really is zealous uh, to get the uh, uh, blessing that that he was told that he would have because uh, the older will serve the younger. That was the promise that came from God. But do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the way in which families can get God's blessing is by lying, cheating, and causing God to be an accomplice? That's what Isaac, that's what Jacob did. He said, I got this stuff quick because God was on my side. That's just a bald-faced lie and puts God into it. So I don't think when we look at this text, we, we, we find much that... that it's complimentary. We don't find much that's complimentary at all. And maybe you take the idea that says, well, when I see this, then I think my family's not really so bad. But be careful. Be very careful drawing that conclusion. I suspect that all parents in here know that at some time or another, you've tried to manipulate God so that he would provide his blessing for your children. Some of you sometimes sit in those seats out there and you think because you sat in those seats out there that somehow God owes you and how he's going to pay you off is to make sure that he blesses your children. And kids don't think it's only the parents. I suspect if I sat down and talked with the kids, if we talked for a little bit, you could all tell me about how you manipulated your parents. <laughs> and the way you manipulated your parents was to lie and deceive. That's what we see in this text, and we can't just blow it off and say it tells us how something is that's just you know, dysfunctional writ large. That's not all that's here. But what is it that we're supposed to do with it? Well, let me try to suggest to you a couple of things. One is, as we look at this text, we see that God is not absent. 
that Yahweh is not absent. That all of these things occur, and we're going to see this again and again as we go through Genesis, that God's providence, that God's overarching control makes sure that all things work out the way in which he wants them to work out. And he uses both the good and the bad. And in this situation, we see that Yahweh does work everything out. That he will re- that that he, uh, in the next chapter uh, uh, Isaac will reiterate the very promises to Jacob that uh, were given to him and were given to Abraham. We see the way in which this works out. But when we look down the line, for those of us in the Christian faith, those of us who identify ourselves both in our family settings and in all of our other settings. As sinners, as people who who do things that break the law of God, who are inclined sometimes to be deceptive and to engage in, in telling dishonest things, not telling the truth, of seeking in some ways to manipulate God so that, that he will bring things out that, that are good for us. We, we, we're sinners like that. But it's through this line of sinners that I can stand here tonight and offer to you hope for your sins. You see, it's in the progeny, it's in the offspring, it's in the seed of Jacob, in the seed of Isaac, that comes the Lord Jesus Christ. And the amazing thing is that when we look at the way in which the life of the Lord Jesus Christ works out, what do we see? We see the family of Isaac. We see the family of Jacob who was called Israel and that nation Israel. And the Lord Jesus Christ stands before this family of Israel and Pilate says to them, what do you want me to do? And they say, and sinners sinning. And when those sinners sin, Jesus goes to the cross and God raises him from the dead so that sinners like me, sinners like you, families like Isaac's, families like Rebecca, fathers who do things like Isaac did, mothers who do things like Rebecca did, sons and daughters who behave like Jacob and Esau can be forgiven. If you trust that seed of Isaac, of Jacob, if you say, I trust in that seed, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you confess to that Jesus that you have broken his law, that you've engaged in deceit and lying, you've sought to manipulate things, if you confess that earnestly, God says to you, he will forgive you of your sin. And he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so I hope this text, I hope this, this, this ugly story that's here in the scriptures made you just a little bit uncomfortable because it reminded you of what's inside you. But I also hope that as you sit in those pews tonight, there can be a sense of joy that goes through you because you can say, I'm just as evil as Isaac, as Rebekah, as Esau, as Jacob. But I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And my sins are taken away from me. Yes, taken away from me as far as the east is from the west. I'm forgiven. This story is a mess.
But God, but God is overwhelmingly wonderful, overwhelmingly powerful, marvelously gracious. And so, all of us Isaacs, all of us Rebecca's, all of us Jacob's, all of us Esau's can say, God is good. He forgives sinners. And I'm one. And I'm forgiven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we, we thank you for discomfort. We thank you for the pointing out to us the ugliness of sin, but we thank you most of all that you oversee and you bring to bear in our lives the work of our Savior Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that for us, for sinners, you died at the hands of sinners, was raised again, and you sit now at the right hand on high. And you declare us to be forgiven if we trust in you. Thank you, Jesus. And we thank you in your own name. And we say together, amen.